All right. Welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? You know, Andy, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult day as we sit down. Typically, this time of year, the first week of August, I think it's fair to say everyone is feeling a bit of a rejuvenated sense that college basketball is, is coming up a little bit. You know, you're through the doldrums of July. You've got some schools during their year, you know, their overseas trips playing some exhibition games. And unfortunately, that's not what we're here to talk about right now, because alas, when something as beloved as, as the Pac-12 conference is murdered after 108 years of existence, it's tough to kind of sidestep that. So we're here to process it a little bit, work through this anger some. That's right. We're being pulled out of our summer our summer slumber, our summer hi- hibernation. We don't put out too many episodes in the offseason, but this is an emergency podcast to announce officially the death of the Pac-12 with news dropping today, 8-4-23, that both Oregon and Washington are going to join UCLA and USC in the Big Ten. Arizona, Arizona State, and UCLA and Utah have officially applied for membership of the Big 12, joining Colorado, leaving just Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State. Long live the Pac-4. Remaining in the Pacific Conference, started in 1915. It's the death of the Pac-12. We're going to break down everything, how we got here, where we go from here. But first, as always, the Oregon State fight song. Turn it up a little louder. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking miss that song so much. It's such a banger. Yeah, that- lost in all of this, amongst the many crimes, is that that song goes to waste now. That, of course, was the Pac-12 Network theme song. You've heard that many a times as you wait for the blue loading screen to turn off so you can watch your game. I-Y-K-Y-K. If you know, you know. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's jump into Nothing like turning it on, you know, maybe four minutes before your desired game starting, and all it is is that tune over and over. Yeah, the fact that the Pac-12 Network, uh, if you were one of the – the chosen few, the promised few, as me and Sam were, to be able to consistently watch the Pac-12 network from the curse of you of your home, you realize that almost nothing was ever on it. It was a blue screen so much of the time. That was the first warning sign of what was coming. Um, Sam, should we just jump into it? Should we break it down? Yeah, let, I mean, we got to kind of start from the beginning here. I do think one day we should do a favorite Pac-12 network memory list. Just a few we'll, of we'll them. Do so many come to mind. Oh, we'll do some more during the offseason for sure. But just to reiterate, Oregon and Washington are joining uh, UCLA and USC in the Big Ten, which now has 18 teams. Um, both Oregon and Washington were charter members of the Pacific Conference going back to 1915. Again, this is driven by football money largely, probably an easier path to the college football playoffs, arguably, for those two schools. Um, after seeing that news, it was revealed that Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah officially applied for membership of the Big 12, joining Colorado. Um, that was kind of predictable. You could kind of see that coming, especially once you once Oregon and Washington were gone. That was almost inevitable. Um, yeah, so Pac-12's last season with 12 remaining members is 
2024, this upcoming season. If you want to go to a game, see your teams play, this is the year to do it because you won't get another shot. We got to make the most of it. I mean, that is the one takeaway on the positive side is we got to have fun with this year. You know, we're, we're watching a loved one die quite literally. Uh, but so we will enjoy this little time we have left. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we'll do a living funeral for the Pac-12. We'll get the No Truck Stop pod guys to do a living funeral for the Pac-12. Oh, I'm going to get really drunk for that. That, That'd be a lot of fun. Absolutely. That's right. Um, Okay, so let's trace back the origins. How did we get here? August 4th, 2023, the year of our Lord, the death of the Pac-12. When does it start? Where does it go back to? I would argue it started in 2011 with a man named Larry Scott. that's when he got the Pac-12 network officially up and running. He paid himself a handsome $5.5 million a year to be in charge of the Pac-12 network. The first ever billion-dollar TV contract, correct? Yeah, so it starts off with the good news. They get the billion-dollar TV contract. Larry Scott takes over. He's brought in from the outside. He's in charge of women's tennis. The Pac-12, or at this time, the Pac-10 brings him in. He immediately adds two new members in Colorado and Utah and signs the largest TV contract at the time, which I think was – yeah, $3 billion over 10 years. Um, so that gives him a lot of leeway. Everyone's kind of in his pocket. He starts the Pac-12 network. He becomes obsessed with the idea of starting an elite, high-tech um, network that can be streamed and individualized for all the sports because he was really into a global sports kind of mindset. He's a women's tennis guy, so he values not just football and, uh, to a lesser extent, basketball, but he was really into the volleyball aspect swimming because the Pac-12 outside of football and basketball what people don't realize is the Pac-12 dominates pretty much every sport right athletically across the board the ones that people by and large don't care about as much the Pac-12 is the best at yeah so Larry Scott tries to capitalize on that he tries to make it the Olympic uh conference you know because we send the most Olympians out of anybody that's kind of a big play in it it does not. Do you hear yourself right? Like it just—we all knew how dumb that sounded at the time. Yeah, it doesn't go well. In 2015, the presidents of all the Pac-12 schools, uh, led by—and this is, you know, maybe one of the reasons why we don't like Arizona State—led by Arizona State President Michael Crow, they reject a deal to get the Pac-12 network on Direct TV, so kind of tie it to a major network, which is what the Pac-12 didn't have, which is what all the other conferences have—is they're tied to a major network provider they're not their own provider which is what the pac-12 network sought to be right like the reason it was a shit deal that he never should have signed to begin with because it was because it was a bunch of shit in good faith they when they signed the deal they didn't have direct tv on board or comcast or like a lot of streaming services which is why it's so goddamn hard to find now and they never came around on them yeah they never were able to fully leap it in um things go downhill larry scott shout out to him he gives himself a a $2.2 million bonus in 2020, right before he lays off half or furloughs half of the Pac-12 staff. Again, this is At that time times. when money was really flowing in for most people, you know, the, the spring of 2020. Larry Scott, King of Kings. Um, so he's forced out in 2021. He's- Mind you, Wayne Tinkle, and also every single, I think across the Pac-12, it wasn't just Oregon State, that every single coach – declined their their bonuses that they got for winning extra games and gave it back to the university months after Larry Scott did that. <laughs> um, yeah, so Larry Scott's forced out in 2021. Then we get our current commissioner of the Pac-12, George Klevkoff. He came over from MGM Grand International, kind of sports betting market. So again, 
not like a traditional, a lot of times these other big conferences, they go out and they get either just like an athletic director of a really powerful school or just a different conference uh, person who's ran a conference before. The last two people the Pac-12 have brought in have not done that. They've come in kind of from fields completely unrelated to college sports. George was brought in to captain a sinking ship, and I think they brought in him. He was essentially a patsy in my mind. He did his best. He didn't do really anything to stop it from happening. No, he made a bunch of bad decisions that we will yeah. um, we will go over here in a second. But I will say on the patsy angle, um, I can see that because one thing George Klevkoff is known for, if you read kind of just about him, is that he's very, very optimistic. He's always he always thinks something's good's gonna happen. He's always in a good mood. He's always smiling. He's very like, yeah, he's just a very optimistic guy, kind of like a Ted Lasso type character. So you can see if it's a Patsy situation, you can't see bringing in a very optimistic guy and then handing him this mess, all the presidents, and then stepping back and if saying Kleovkov was a college football coach, he would be Ted Lasso, but the team would be two and ten and like <laughs> the quarterback got arrested the past weekend. But so it's like not charming that he's just saying those stupid soliloquies and shit. Mm-hmm. Because he was dealt a bad hand. You know, he gets a conference that is crumbling, that doesn't have reliable markets. His one goal is essentially to negotiate a good TV deal. That's the one That's thing that can all save everything. He had to do. He could not do that. Here's a list of some Which of the- I would say, but like, I don't mean to shit too much on George, but is that really that difficult to do? Well, I do think we he should. He had 13 months. I'm sorry. We're going through the timeline. Yeah, I do think we should talk a little bit because here, <coughs> here are a couple. Sorry, my allergies are so bad right now, and I've been crying all day. Um, <laughs> here are some of the decisions or things that George Klefkoff did in his 13 months because he – a lot of people are saying he couldn't have done anything, but I want to make the case that he also actively did a terrible job. He's yes. like right up there with Larry Scottie. So first off, um, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but he entered into the the handshake agreement with the Big Ten and ACC to stand against the SEC. This is when Texas and Oklahoma first announced um, like a year and a half ago, two years ago, that they were going to go join the SEC. Klefkoff and the Big Ten and the ACC merged together and have a handshake agreement, a gentleman's handshake agreement, to stand with each other and not poach from each other. Who, who stands by their word more than college football commissioners? Yeah. What an honest group of people. So as, as we can all remember, that did not play out well. A lot of people probably forgot about the handshake <laughs> um, a deal. You know who claims they don't remember it is the ACC and Big Ten Conference commissioners. They <laughs> yeah. don't recall that happening. Yeah, they can't remember that. Um Another thing Klefkoff did, this is a little bit smaller, um, but I think it still plays a tiny part. He voted against the playoff expansion um, for college football, which if he hadn't done that, I think it starts and it gets passed earlier. It starts a year earlier. So technically this year, the winner of the Pac-12 would get an automatic bid into the college football playoffs. Does that make it more enticing for some of these schools to stay in the Pac-12? Probably not because like the Big Ten will still probably get those uh, spots that aren't guaranteed. We'll probably still go to one of the power conference schools, but still, I think it can play a little bit of a role, especially because he he essentially said at the start that he was go- for football expansion. Yeah, I mean, and it's inevitable anyways. I mean, I have no idea why why he would think it in his best interest to vote against that. Yeah, um, another thing he did was. Um, so this was mentioned, this is from the athletic article kind of, uh, bashing the leadership of the PAC 12 over the last couple of years, but I had never heard this before, but apparently he hired a sports media advisors, which is kind of like a small boutique firm to handle the media. Um, 
rights and strategy of the Pac-12 network, while like other schools like the or other leagues like the Big Ten hired just kind of really big name brand ambassadors, and they were able to jump the line and negotiate their contracts earlier. Like all of this is really happening because the big. Sorry about that. There was a technical glitch there. Um, so the Big Ten was able to jump ahead in its line, renegotiate its TV deal, get the record-breaking billion-dollar deal that it has now. And that's really what's attracting a lot of these teams over there is I think you get about $31 million per school joining the Big Ten. Although I'm not sure. I think Oregon and Washington agreed to a lesser share than the Big Ten members of that. They did in order to get it done, which, again, fuck them for that on top of everything else. So hiring the boutique sports media advisors was – not the best move. And yes, the, the, it, again, through no lot, like it very well, unclear why he did. That, no, it right? is. It is clear because uh, apparently the head of sports media advisors uh, went to the same law school with him. Yes. So a, a very good and satisfying for re reason for all parties involved. Another mistake he made was he insisted on completing a media deal before inviting new members. Uh, if you remember earlier in the summer, there was kind of a quick flurry about San Diego State potentially joining the Pac-12, also possibly SMU, yeah. but they refused to invite new members before having the deal lined up. And then when they finally did get the deal lined up, an Apple TV deal, a streaming-based deal that in theory could potentially make the schools more money than what they're receiving from the Big Ten or the Big 12, but it is a lot of depend on hitting marketing goals for individual schools, which could put you at risk. So you're, not, you're signing on a line, but you don't know how much you're getting paid at it which doesn't work for, for the now Pac-4 members being Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State. That probably would have worked for, for everybody else in the conference, depending on what their target was. Yeah, so that's the timeline of kind of how we got here as a conference. It's been a slow build for years and years. You look back and you just wonder if what would have happened if they'd been able to steal Texas and Oklahoma away from the Big 12 all those years ago. Does it change anything? Who knows? But who knows how close? I mean, they obviously implied that was very close to happening. You know, it was a done deal, but I'm I'm too jaded to believe that is actually that or that was ever the case. I think it was they were just kind of a a negotiating ploy for, for the Big 12 conference at the time. Okay, so the question is. Where do we go from here? Where does the Pac-4 go from here? Where does Oregon State go from here? Uh, the number one prevalent theory right now is either a merger with the Mountain West Conference or just being absorbed by the Mountain West Conference. You'd like to see a merger. You'd like to see the Pacific Mountain Conference or something like that. But that's, of course, the conference that has teams like Boise State, Colorado State. Maybe we could be possibly playing Tim Sheldon's team in a year yeah, or two. That would, that would certainly be – appointment viewing that would be a more than a little bit awkward um so that's probably where oregon state goes from here a lot of people have asked about the oregon state oregon rivalry game for their part oregon has said that they are open to keeping the rivalry going and want to keep playing games across all sports oregon state interestingly enough hasn't been super committal you can kind of see it as if if Oregon State takes this step to the Mountain West Conference, um, if they do it, you know, just in theory, who knows what's going to happen right now. Um, but if they go, that's a significant downsize. And with that becomes a less 
attainable recruits and recruiting's already been a struggle for Oregon State. Um, so now that you don't have the Power Five conference label attached to your school, that affects players, affects revenue, all these things, and it becomes maybe less desirable to play the Ducks. It feels like even more of an unequal playing field uh, than it currently is. Right. I mean, it, it. And again, we don't need to get too much into the football side of things, but it is what drives this whole conversation. I mean, this is why all this is happening. And to yeah, me, this is a hundred percent football. The Beavers are going to the Mountain West. There, the TV money is is so much less. It's going to be really hard to keep their coaches, at least uh, Smith and the defensive coordinator Bray, to me, and. Um, so they, I, I could understand not wanting to take games with Big Ten teams unless you want to pay $300,000 the way it works, you know, if they want to play Western Michigan or somebody from one of those conferences now anyways. Yeah, so how do you – how overall, how are you feeling? Now that we've got kind of logistics laid out, let's go into the emotional side of it. Let me probe your brain. Let me probe your heart. Uh, we're, you know, obviously, there's a lot of anger at all, our, our little brother to the south in Eugene um, – you know, I, I don't know how fair – I think that Washington and Oregon, in my opinion, officially killed this, I, I along with Klievkov. If he had – there's a lot of things he could have done to save this from dying in front of us this way. Um, I, I In addition to, you know, everything that happened around 2011, I think that, that this the path to this started with Oregon – uh, and schools like USC and UCLA and Washington with big budgets trying to become their own brand and essentially have an identity far outside of the conference they play in with their glitzy shit. And I know that maybe isn't fair or all that rational, but this is a very upsetting thing. Yeah, I think to a traditionalist, this is very upsetting, you know. Um, it's totally understandable in the modern landscape of college sports well, with NIL money this has become, you know. Well, it was always a business kind of hidden behind a student athlete amateurism cloth, but now it's just full on business and this is a business decision. So I don't know. It is disheartening. I'll still follow Oregon State sports wherever they go, yes. obviously, but it's tough. And you feel like the worry to me is that if Oregon State loses its spot in a power five conference, because does it ever get it back? Because I think things are still going to shift. I don't think this is going to how it's going to be obviously not for the rest of our lives. You know, I think obviously conglomeration is going to keep happening. You'll end up with like one or two or three super leagues that have like 30 teams in them. Does Oregon state losing its power five spot right now? Does that keep them out of one of those three super conferences down the line? Cause that's really the death blow. I, I don't think necessarily as, as long, especially if they continue to win close to double digit games in football and, and can get back in, into March Madness and basketball, and they can keep, you know, at least some of the level of of excellence they've had in baseball. But yeah, they're going to have to win for sure, and and we're not afraid. We're not going to back away from that challenge. Yeah, it does become um, even more important to win because your games are weighted less now that supposedly. I mean, we're we're not we shouldn't speak in such finality because who knows what happens, but. Obviously, some changes on the horizon for 2024 season. Yeah, the wins do matter a lot now because you have to prove it early and often when you're from a non-Power 5 conference to get any sort of recognition. So expect the Beaver bias to be even more real. Absolutely. I mean, I, I tweeted from the Peyton Years account today, Beaver bias killed the Pac-12. <laughs> and I think that's that's a fair thing. I mean, it's not 
directly true per se, but I, well, I, no, it is. I don't know why I said that. It is directly true. Yeah, it is. It does seem to affect Oregon State a lot. Um, what do you think happens to Stanford? I, I, I don't really know. I mean, I've, they kind of have the biggest width of possibility, right? Because they could join the Ivy League as well. Um, mm -hmm. I can't see Stanford going to the Mountain West Conference, mostly because of like academics. You're not going to want to associate your university with like Wyoming if you're Stanford. Barnes said that his intent for now is to keep the, the four schools, you know. Barnes, the Oregon State. Scott Barnes, yeah, together. I just don't see how that happens. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. It really does feel like the end of an era. Um, all right. Uh, do you have anything else? Do you have anything you want to bring up from the or Oregonian uh, article? It's uh, yeah. If you shout out to to friend of the pod, Nick Dashel, who's had a busy day today. I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's on Oregon Live. I mean, essentially, Scott Barnes. He he says he's furious. He uses the word furious several times throughout the article. I mean, you know, there's no, obviously. So much up in the air. He doesn't have uh, it, it does kill me that he says that they were hours away from as a Pac-12 conference coming up with a deal that would have made everybody happy. Yeah, because that's clearly not true. Right. It just makes you hate Oregon and Washington more for using using each side against each other. I mean, they were saying at the 11th hour, maybe they will stay, which was just lying and posturing. And they still didn't even get a full share from the Big Ten. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like we said off pod, it just kind of feels like the Pac-12 conference is the Titanic. It's sinking. All the rich schools have gotten on the uh, the lifeboats first, and Oregon State and Washington State are trapped in the steam room, shoveling coal, trying to get to land, but I don't think we're going to make it. Stanford should have been one of the rich schools that got bought out, but for some reason it was like taking – was going to the bathroom, got lost in the cold case, and now is stuck with the poor schools. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, they're a little pissed about it, but they've got their own thing going on. A helicopter is coming back for them. Uh, okay. Um, all right. Anything else before we move on to shout-outs? At the end of the day, the Beavers are going to land somewhere, and they'll be there for us. You know, this, is, this will continue to be the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. That's not changing. I mean, as shitty as today is, it's all, it's only going to get better from here. And I do think, you know, focusing back in specifically on the basketball team, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic were in the Final Four this past year. It is becoming so widespread. There are so many good teams. The league you play in is becoming less and less relevant, in my opinion. There are dogs everywhere. And everyone's transferring three or four times by the end. So they're all playing at a bunch of different leagues anyways. And so it, it doesn't shut down the possibility of another promise season in the near future at all, in my opinion. No, I think basketball-wise, maybe even a little bit easier route to there, a promise season just in terms of the teams you're going to be playing during the regular season. Maybe it finally allows you to kind of build some momentum since you're not running into slaughterhouses like Arizona and UCLA every year. Very potentially. On the other hand, too, it does kind of rob you of that experience and playing against the elite of the elite. And, you know, the Pac-12, we'll talk, we'll do more of like a Pac-12 eulogy podcast and things like that down the line. But I will say I do love the brand of basketball that the Pac-12 has. I love the open flow, the guard play, the shooting. You know, it's such a more entertaining style of basketball than I think you get in the um, Big Ten, definitely. Maybe ACC 
SEC is pretty fun because those guards are just going crazy and trying to dunk on everybody. So I can give them and a the pass. And half the coaches are damn near fighting each other. Yeah, it's so I'll a, give the SEC a pass on a basketball lot. flavor for sure. But it'll be sad to see that go. Uh, but I'm curious to see what the Mountain West basketball scene is like. I did preemptively look at some of the Mountain West-based podcasts, podcasts for the entire conference. And I will say we seem to have more of a base than them so far. Okay, yeah, which is good to know. So we'll be helping them out if that is the case. If that is the case. Who knows? Maybe they do go to the Big 12. You know, we we accept all possibilities. Whatever it ends up being, I'm excited for it. Exactly. Um, okay, any shout-outs? Um, the opposite of the shout-out to uh, Arizona State fans, Arizona fans, Utah fans, fuck you too. I'm not their fans, I guess, but they're in the institutions they support. They're not lost in this either. They're going to be go be mediocre at everything in the Big Twelve for a while, except basketball, I suppose. And football. It'll be it'll be interesting. I Utah maybe will do well in football, but Arizona schools are going to suck at everything else for a long time. Oregon, Washington, yeah. Bye. Thanks for doing that. I like it. Okay. Have fun playing Rutgers. You know, well, I will get some satisfaction out of watching them play, you know, Rutgers on a Tuesday on the Big Ten network because it's a lot easier to find the Pac-12 network. True. Um, and then I, I guess my shout-outs are to Tim Yost, um, or Yost, I'm not sure how you say it, but we've been emailing with you. Sorry, we will pay you, but Tim designed, made some designs. For the show, unprompted, I think we're going to try and turn them into maybe T-shirts or something like that. We think they're pretty cool. So shout out to you. Sam will be paying you very soon. You're the man, too. Yeah. Sorry, I never checked that email. Andy will hit me up with your info, and we'll get you some money because they're the shit. You're going to want to get these paid heads. Um, shout out to my little brother's girlfriend, Maddie, for moving to Sweden. Her dad, big fan of the show. Shout out to Joe as well. But Maddie moving to Sweden, pursuing her PhD. She's a genius. Shout out to Maddie. And shout I know out. she'll take some time to catch up with us while she's over there. Though. Oh, it's good to it's good to have a beaver believer overseas. And then spreading around, conquering the world. And then last, shout out to you, Sam. Sam's competing in the semifinals of Portland's Funniest Person tomorrow. So by the time you listen to this, he'll have already advanced to the finals. But shout out to you, Sam. Crushing it, as always. Looking for some good news, you know, turn turn this energy around a little bit. Exactly. And I guess just the last thing that I want to say, um, and I mean this very deeply. Don't forget. yeah, de Deeply, deeply. Um, fuck the Ducks. Fuck the Ducks. Uh, go Beast Forever. We'll see you all very soon.